most overrated, overstated things in all of sport is Monday morning when you flip on your television set and some idiot broadcaster says, well, it was a busy weekend in sports. It's always a busy weekend in sports. And, and w- when is the weekend now, Bob? Because it seems to be busy every day of the week. Well, there's <laughs> that, but I mean, they play games on Saturdays and Sundays, and we watch more games on Saturdays and Sundays. So uh, stop saying that. It's McCowan and Shannon. Well, what a busy weekend that was in sports, huh? Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Steve Simmons, Dave Hodge are going to join us in a bit. I assume you uh, spent the majority of your time on uh, during the day watching the United States Open. Listening, uh, you know, I, I oh, actually in your car. No, I'm in the backyard. You know, the oh, really? weather was weather was nice, and I, I have the you know Sirius XM on a speaker, and uh, yeah, they, they, they those guys on uh, on the PGA radio do a hell of a job. They really do. It's 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 a fun listen. You get a real sense of what's going on, uh, and then you know when when it gets to the uh, the short strokes, I'm uh, I, I run in and watch the last hour and see what's going on. So. But yeah, I, I I always enjoy watching golf on TV. I'm maybe I'm in the minority, but it's always fun. Uh, Hadwin had a very interesting. I mean, he had a successful U.S. Open when all sure. is said and done. Tied for seventh. Um, had the lead in the opening round, and um, never really got out of touch. Like there were guys that went up and down like a yo-yo. Yeah, you know they were out of touch. They were in back in it and. Um, Hadwin never was that guy. He was pretty steady all the way through. That's nice, but it's not the kind of performance that you think potentially can win. No, but uh, you know, he's never been in this position. And, and as you know, Bob, um, you, you know, when you're, when you're a one, a, a, a one man band, when you're, you don't have a teammate to rely on other than your caddy. Uh, the pressure that you put on yourself, you have to experience it to be better. I And, and the fact that, you know, he paired with Scotty Schefter yesterday, I, I think the learning curve for a guy like Hadwin yesterday would be great. This was, well, as, this was as high profile a position he's been in in a big tournament. And I, 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 I suspect that, that uh, uh, there's a lot more positive to come out of this for him than negative. Well, there may be, but he's 34 years old. I'm not sure that he's got enough uh, runway um, in order to be able to take advantage of it. But that's a conversation for another day. We want to get to our guests. Um, baseball on the agenda today with Simmons and Hodge. We'll do that when we come back right after this. McCown and Shannon back with you. The Toronto Blue Jays completing a 2 1 weekend series loss to the New York Yankees, managing to salvage the game yesterday with a uh, big comeback from 8-3 to win 10-9. But there are lots of issues to discuss as we approach the midway point of uh, the baseball season. Steve Simmons, Dave Hodge are with us. Um, Ryu is gone for the year and probably forever from a Toronto Blue Jay uniform. And Kikuchi ever increasingly looks like he is not a major league starter. Uh, And you cannot go through the remainder of this season and potentially into the postseason where the Blue Jays have high aspirations, guys, with the roster of starting pitching that they have right now. Or am I wrong? Hodge? No, I think that has become the problem. Uh, For a while, it wasn't. And the bullpen, I think you can add to the conversation because... Uh, but bullpens tend to wear down, and this sort of thing happens to people like Trevor Richards and uh, and Adam Simber. Um, so it's not that's not unusual. But from the beginning, we have known that this team will go as far as its bats will take it, and I don't think that has changed. They they go silent for a while, but then you see something like yesterday, and you know the cliche they're never out of a game starts to be true. And this is a team that hits home runs and wins uh, largely because of it. Um, I think whatever they do with the pitching, and I don't know how they can put together a staff that you would say uh, guarantees them a playoff spot, but I think they're, you know, I think it might be tight at the end, but I've thought from the beginning that they're a a wild card team. And uh, the question is, uh, which wild card team? Because this format 
um, gives a big advantage to the number one wildcard team and a big disadvantage uh, is uh, shouldered by the wildcard teams two and three. So I think they're probably four, maybe at the, at the outset, or at the uh, uh, maybe five teams that will be battling for those three spots. But I think the Blue Jays are going to get one of them. So it's just a question of, um, of how, they, uh, how they manage to, to get there. And I think a, a lot will depend on, on what happens to the pitching. Well, I think it's kind of remarkable that we've gone from a season beginning with World Series aspirations to now can they get a wild card spot discussion. And uh, management, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, have to be awfully concerned about the state, as Dave said, the state of the pitching staff, not just the depth of the starters, but the quality of the starters and, and the quality of the big starters. Um, you know, I think Alec Manoa has been great all year. Uh, he's the only pitcher in their rotation who's been great all year as a starter. Everybody else has been great certain days and not great certain days. And you get past three where you have Berrios and Gossman. I mean, Gossman should supposed to be one, but let's put Manoa there just for a second. And you've got Gossman and Berrios who are hit and miss seemingly now. And then after that, it's like, who knows? And so th they, they need starting pitching, not just to get the wild card spot, which I think most of us assume they would get, but to be any kind of um, challenge in a playoff series, um, without Ryu and with Kikuchi not being a factor at all, unless they can somehow correct him, which he doesn't look to be correctable. Uh, and then you have a bullpen that's got holes all over the place and, and not enough, you know, what, what they're talking about now, you know, the, uh, the, the, the swing and miss stuff. They don't have mm -hmm. enough of that in, in, their, in their bullpen. And so there's a lot of different areas here to be concerned about while they're on pace to win 93, 94 games, and in, and in a division where you, the Yankees are on pace to win 120, you know, they don't look like a contender, really. I was going to say, that, Dave, was that the, the, the pitching, the biggest lesson learned from this weekend series against the Yankees that up until, I guess, the, what was it, the, the sixth inning, the, the Yankees looked dominant? Well, you know, I think uh, – this was just another weekend where you saw the good and the bad in, in the Blue Jays and um, the good and a little bit of the bad um, in the Yankees. Like who could have predicted that Luis Severino versus Yusei Kikuchi would wind up uh, in, in a Blue Jays win? Uh, that looked like the easiest win the Yankees would have based on the three pitching matchups. And uh, for a while it, it, you know, it was playing out that way at, uh, at eight to three, but even before this weekend uh, where, um, you know, you would see a bad game from Barrios, you'd see suddenly uh, a bad game from, from Gosman. You saw Ryu go down and out with an injury and Kikuchi's last three or four games have, have sort of convinced people that um, he, he can't remain in the rotation or if he does, He's only going to give you two or three or, in the case of yesterday, uh, four innings. So, um, but as I say, you know, we, this, this is a team that uh, can hit. Um, I, I don't think quite as consistently as we thought it would. Um, but when it hits, it scores 10 runs like, like yesterday. Um, but it's a team that now has to deal with, with, with the pitching. It, you know, I think Boston is going to be there. I think um, Minnesota or Cleveland, perhaps, uh, the team that doesn't win that division, and Tampa Bay. Although I'm, I'm ready to just say Tampa Bay. I don't, I'm not buying them. I know I've never bought them. <laughs> they somehow managed to get there and somehow managed to haunt the Blue Jays. But if it's Toronto and Tampa Bay in a, in a, in a playoff series and the Jays can't win that, I will really be surprised. I, I think no matter what the Jays' problems are, they remain a better team than, than Tampa Bay. But the Red Sox have the potential to be the top wildcard team. And both Minnesota and Cleveland are kind of surprising uh, that, that uh, they're in this, in this mix. And one of them 
quite likely is going to uh, be a division winner. But the real story of the season in all of baseball is the Yankees. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody thought that the New York Yankees were going to, you know, th- threaten the, the history books by doing what they're doing. And um, that's sort of tilted everything. Um, and I don't know uh, if there's any reason to think that, you know, we're going to see a World Series other than Yankees-Dodgers. It, it just seems pretty obvious that the Yankees are going to be in the American League side. And uh, anybody remember the last Yankee-Dodgers World Series? Was that uh, Bob Welch? Yeah, he was, he was part of it. Uh, the reason to remember it, um, was that Reggie, own, Reggie Jackson? Was that Reggie Jackson? Yeah, um, I'll answer my own question. It was 1981, as far back as that. And the, But the reason to remember it was the silly decision to name three MVPs. <laughs> like when you name two, people go, that's ridiculous. It has to be just one. There were three most valuable players that year. Ron Say, um, Steve Yeager, and Pedro Guerrero. Uh, and I don't know who was doing the voting, but they could not decide. And Steve Garvey batted over 400 for the Dodgers. And he could have been fourth. Uh, anyway, yeah, we might see another Yankee Dodgers World Series. People think the Yankees. You, you, you might see a New York, New York World Series. Well, the, the Mets because- are. A, the Mets are a possibility, but people... The th- first year in what? Uh, first year of the last 60... The, only the second time in the last 60 years mm-hmm. that those two teams are in first place? Yeah, well, I remember the other one. Um, but, but people, you know, that complain about baseball, say, oh, every year it's the Yankees, it's the Dodgers. Since 2000, the Yankees have, have been in one World Series and the Dodgers have been in one World Series. And they haven't been there together since 1981. So it'd be a big deal if they were there this year. And it looks like that's a probability, not a possibility. But if you were a general ma- any of you guys, if you were the general manager of a major league baseball team and you looked at the roster of the Blue Jays and the roster of the New York Yankees, which roster, never mind production, which roster do you like better? Blue Jays. That, that's the way that's what disappoints me so much about the Jays is they are more they, they have all these things and and they don't seem to be able to put them together and combine them and the Yankees understand and you saw it on the weekend uh they understand how to win mm. they understand not, not yesterday <laughs> not, no but for, uh, but for the most part understand what a great at bat is understand how to work a pitcher Understand the little things you have to do that don't show up in any of the fancy stats necessarily. Um, they know how to win with players that don't light up the other than Aaron Judge that that don't get everybody excited. Um, and and the Jays with all of these young stars who are supposed to be you know the next coming of whatever um, they don't seem to have that in them. And I find other than yesterday when they've been in these signature kind of games, they don't seem to respond the way you would hope they would respond. And that to me, again, is something that if I'm sitting in Mark Shapiro's office or, or in Ross Atkins office, that I would certainly be concerned about. But they, I agree with, I agree with Bob that at the start of the season, you could say, I'd take this Blue Jays team over this Yankees team. But now that we've seen how the season has played out, not yet at the halfway mark, mind you, um, you know, there really is no comparison because the Yankees are clicking on all cylinders, including uh, starting pitching that makes Garrett Cole, uh, you know, a question mark when he goes to the mound now. I mean, he used to be maybe the best pitcher in baseball. And, and now he's a guy that r- really struggles to keep up with the other four uh, with the Yankees. Their bullpen is, you know, is uh, um, hurt by by injuries. Now Chad Green lost for, for the season to Tommy John surgery. And the, you saw yesterday that the Yankees, when their bullpen uh, uh, has had too much work or doesn't have the personnel that it should have, uh, it can kick away a game. But, you know, did, did anybody think that Aaron Judge was 
was going to be at his very best this year, that Stanton was going to be able to hit the home runs like, like no, crazy. Of course not. But, you know, I mean, as I say, all the way down the line, plus Nestor Cortez has been uh, something, a revelation that, that nobody banked on. So today, the Yankees roster looks a lot better than, than the Jays. And a, and a large part of, of how we've had to sort of adjust our sights on the Jays, I think, and I don't want to put it all on him because he does hit home runs and he hit one yesterday. But I think people assumed that, you know, all the MVP chants for Vladimir Guerrero were going to continue this year. And anybody that's chanting MVP when he goes to the plate this year needs to be told, you know, like in COVID, nobody, nobody knew what day it was, right? Well, you got to turn around to anybody chanting MVP this year and say, you don't know what year it is. Um, and if he's, not, if he's not the guy leading the Jays hit parade, then they aren't what we thought they would be or should be. Well, here, here's what's fascinating to me. Last year, Guerrero has, from my mind, the single best offensive season in Blue Jays history. When you go through how many categories he is either first or second in not just the American League, but in all of baseball, from slugging, from OPS, from, from virtually everything, home run. Um, and, you look, and you think to yourself, he's just a kid doing this. What's next year going to be? Is he going to be one of these guys, this is now the standard, he's going to do this every year? Or what is, is next year going to be? Well, clearly they've adjusted how they're pitching to him, and clearly he's not uh, responded in the same way he responded last year. So now we're not exactly, you know, sure of, you know, is he going to be the best hitter in baseball every single year? Is he going to be one of these Hank Aaron kind of guys, you know, that does this, you know, all the time? Or is it going to be two years ago he was kind of down, last year he was hugely up, now he's kind of in the middle of the two. Like, where is he and what's he going to be? And I think you can look at him and you can look at Bo Bichette and you can look at Teoscar Hernandez. And these are the guys that they're building this team around. Everybody but George Springer, who I think is sort of a straight line of some kind. Um, you're not exactly sure who they are yet. When a year ago, everybody was ready to write a check. You know, how much is it going to be? 30 million, 40 million. What's what's the future? Well, we don't know right now with Vladimir Guerrero, because one of the things I find really frustrating with him, if he's not hitting home runs, mm. it's a one bouncer to the shortstop or the second. I he's not it's not like he's pounding the ball and, and people are catching line drives like he was last year when he was getting out. He's had a lot of weak outs this year. Uh, well, a lot more than, than anyone and, and and the people who cover the team, frankly, you know, don't do a very good job of because they're almost all Rogers employees um, of telling you that. Well, let me start with, let me say a couple of things here. Number one, when the question was asked about the Yankees versus the Blue Jays, I, I was referring to the starting eight, not to the, not to the pitching staff and that's starters on bullpen. And you can't do that in an overall comparison. That's number one. Number two, which of the eight regular starters or position players, the Blue Jays have, would you, move where do you think there's a weakness where do you think you could improve because i don't find any place i think they're they're at or near the top at almost every position you could say guriel maybe and then he hits a grand slam yesterday and his defense is much better you can the outfield is is fine it's pretty good the infield is solid is guerrero producing the way he he did no but he's He's Neither is one. Bichette, Bob. No, Bichette, Bichette's improved since uh, since April. He's better defensively. Um, Guerrero's got 18, I think, home runs. You know, it's, they're not having the kinds of years that you would have hoped, but they're not exactly failing. Well, the, the irony is that the, the answer to your question should have been, and at the start of the season would have been, well, the catching is, is, is a weakness. And and suddenly the catching is is a it's big strength. strength. It's got <laughs> if you don't have Kirk now, Moreno looks like he can go in there and 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 catch the uh, handle of pitchers and and get hits and race the first base like uh, no other catcher you've seen. And you got Danny Jansen, who before he got hurt was doing 
pretty well and is still the most right. experienced guy and the best handler of pitchers of, of, of the three. So uh, that, that's, that's ironic that, you know, we're wondering how good this Jays team is and we're not mentioning the fact that uh, its weakness has turned into, into a big strength. And but yet, Also second base, Dave. Second base was a big question, and it's been a, a huge strength, especially offensively this year. Yeah, he's uh, struggled. Not compared to last year's second base. <laughs> no, but, but compared to what they expected it to be, you know, last year it was third that was the weakness, and so they moved third to second and thought that would be the sort of fill-in well, hope for spot. I think, we, I think we wonder how a team that's as good as – you know, we say it is when you go position by position by position or how good it should be. We wonder why, why the bats can go silent from time to time, which mm-hmm. they have done this season, which helps to explain, you know, why they're not closer or close to, to the Yankees. And I don't think there's an explanation to that other than it's baseball and it happens. And, right. you know, you hate to say, wait till you see what's, going on with the, with the bats in the playoffs if, if and when they're there. But th- that is probably going to be um, the answer. Um, are they going to be hitting then or are they not going to be hitting then? And it might be one or the other. I, I have no idea. Well, and as the, I say, you know, this format is going gonna, is gonna to really uh, be interesting because if you're not the best wildcard team, you don't have a home game. Yeah, right. That's right. Uh, and, if, and if you are the best wildcard team and you win that first round series at home, you're going to be undoubtedly playing the Yankees in the second round. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, let's, let's, let's have that be uh, part of the interest in, in, uh, in September, because um, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Chase are going to be there, but who knows uh, whether they're at the top of their game, who knows whether they're healthy. Uh, we have to, we have to wait and see. And meanwhile, you're going to see a, a streaky team. You're going to see a team that hits for a while and then doesn't. You're going to see a team that, like Gosman and Barrios, can both get uh, on top of their on top of their game, or they can both be lousy. But no, I think you know he could. Last year they had the Cy Young winner and Robbie Ray, and you could vote for Manoa this year. Mm-hmm. He's actually just uh, how much of the, how much of this, and I don't know if you want to call it frustration is the fact that I think that a lot of people thought that if, if any team was going to run away with the American League East, it was supposed to be the Jays. How much of how much do you think that's a factor in all of this? Because this team's, I mean, I think there's lots of teams in Major League Baseball looking at the Jays saying, well, hey, listen, they're well over 500. Today's point, they're probably going to be a playoff team. What's the problem? The problem is the pitching, and that's what yeah. I, you know, uh, that's what I wanted to get back to. And my point about the Blue Jays starting eight is, there are no holes there that you feel the general manager needs to address at the trade deadline or leading up to the trade deadline. The holes and the fixing, if anything is going to be done, is going to be in, well, the bullpen has been iffy since the beginning of the year, let's be honest. The starting rotation, we thought, was okay. Great at the top end. The top three were supposed to be great, and generally they've been okay. The other two, Ryu and Kikuchi, were iffy, but both had were veterans. Now Kikuchi is proving perhaps that he's not a major league starting pitcher, and Ryu's gone for the year. And Stripling, God love him, but he's a mediocre pitcher. And this team needs another starter, at least one, and probably has to go out and get one. It doesn't look like it's going to be Pearson because he's down again in the minor leagues, and I don't think they even thought of him as a starter anymore. So now you guys talked about the the catching situation, and there is depth there, and that is the one place they have to deal from. Can you get a starting pitcher for a catcher? You should be able to. It's the second most valuable position behind starting pitching. There'd be there'd be outrage if uh, because Kirk might be uh, the most popular player on the team right now, and uh, it would be hard to trade him. You might have to, David. Well, would you trade? uh, Would you trade Kirk over Jansen or Jansen over Kirk? Well, you you get a lot more for Kirk. 
So that's, if you want a good pitcher, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not decrying Danny Jansen. I mean, he's, you know, he's, there'd be some interest in him because catching is the weakest position in baseball. But if Kirk is going to keep hitting like this uh, and proving that he can, that he can catch on a, on a fairly regular basis, <laughs> there's a lot of teams that would that give you some, I mean, when, when they were talking about trading for Jose Ramirez, uh, all the rumors said Alejandro Kirk was in the middle of that package that uh, could have been offered and probably sure. was offered to Cleveland. And, uh, and Cleveland, um, let's give them credit, probably saw the potential in Kirk if they were at all interested in that deal. And I'm thinking that, that they were not as interested as signing Ramirez to a long-term deal, as turned out. But um, that would that'd be a hard thing to do, to, to trade their best hitter. Mm-hmm. Kirk's value now is far more than he was – in, in April or March when they were trying to make that deal or February, February, whatever it was. Dave, your level's a little low there. Are you? How's that? Is that better? Well, I don't know what happened, but keep talking. We'll try and um, fix it. Kirk's value now is significantly more than it was in, in, in March, for example, because he's having a much better season than most people would have expected. And he's become such a solid major league hitter you know, that, that, and a very good catcher and a very good thrower and, and lots of things that maybe people didn't expect. So what he was then and what he was now, you know, he, he has more value than he, than he ever had. If you're going to trade him and I wouldn't be so happy about making a deal with him because I think he's a guy you, you're going to want to have around here for about 10 years. Um, but I look at the pitching right now, if you're in a playoff series and you're opening against whomever, and you have three starters, and you've got Manoa going into Barrios, going into Gossman, or Manoa going into Gossman, going into Barrios. There aren't many teams in the American League that are going to match that. That's pretty good starting pitching if your guys produce. Um, now it's a question of what happens to everything else. But I think their pitching, actually, as a playoff entity pitching, you know, can be decent as long as they have a fourth guy that can give them four innings. Has anybody, if you need him, has anybody read the? I, I don't know where I read it, but uh, the trade for Shohei Otani <laughs> suggestion. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> well, no, I mean he's uh, the he his last hit he can't remember, uh, so he basically is 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 only a pitcher as far as uh, contributing to the Angels, and they can't sign him. And I don't know if any other team would want to sign him for what he's, what he's uh, demanding. But of course the fan in the blue Jays or whoever wrote this thinks that, you know, money's no object and the Jays are just, uh, they can pay anything and would pay anything if they could, uh, if they could land uh, Otani, you'd get him as a rental at this point. Um, I mean, I think it's laughable, but um, <laughs> it's, you know, they, they would add a picture. <laughs> Uh, so, just be, before we just we one break, quick, John. Oh, we do. Yeah, we do. Oh, you're always telling us we have to go to commercial. Well, I don't, I don't want to, but we have. To. <laughs> um, we'll continue the conversation. We're coming back with uh, Simmons and Hodge after these messages. Uh, we are back, McCowan, Shannon, Simmons, Hodge, and the debate continues as to whether the Blue Jays need more starting pitching or. Well, let me let me put it to you this way, and I don't disagree with what Simmons said about you know you you're in the po- in the postseason you need three, and the Blue Jays have those three, assuming they stay healthy and continue to pitch competently. The issue is going to be getting there, in my opinion, with the other two starters that you have right now, and if you get another injury, or if you determine that Kikuchi can't be a starting pitcher at the major league level. Then what do you do? And we were debating the relative merits of moving a catcher. I don't think the Blue Jays have anything else. I don't know about you guys. That is a disposable yet tradable commodity that has market value. So it comes down, I presume, to Jansen or Kirk as a possible dangle. 
And David, you don't think Kirk would be the guy that you would want to move, correct? It would be difficult to do uh, given what he's doing these days. But Moreno is going to be the catcher of the future, never mind Alejandro Kirk, in their minds, I think. So if you're ready to make that leap and say Moreno's going to catch three of every five games and Jansen, when he gets healthy, is going to catch the other two and we can afford to trade Kirk at the height of his value, which is right now, then, yeah, you can make a case, given the pitcher that you might get in return, that it's a move they should make. Uh, I, I, I would agree. Guriel is always a name that come, comes to mind as, you know, you, you could do without him, um, except their bench now isn't, isn't great. And, uh, you know, I think Kevin Biggio is their bench sort of thing. Well, he is. And, and, well, that's not great. And Bradley Zimmer is their bench, and that's not great except in the, in the ninth inning. So um, to take uh, somebody who, when he's not playing, is, is the first guy off the bench in Guriel and trade him uh, weakens the bench if you're going to do that to, to uh, strengthen your pitching. So, sure, um, Kirk, uh, see what you can get for him and, uh, and make the leap. But as I say, well, it's, hard, it's hard to trade your best hitter. Here's, the, here's the problem. Is what, what does Guriel get you? Can Guriel mm -hmm. get you a number four or a number five uh, starting pitcher? Oh, oh, I think so, yes. You do, huh? I yeah. don't. Well, I don't know what the other guys. What's number, what's number four or five? I mean, you know, there's no great pitcher out there who's, who's, a, who's a four or five anywhere. except No, but I'm talking about somebody in the Blue Jays system would become the four or five. Most staffs don't go that deep. Um, I think the Blue Jays would be wiser to be looking at moving prospects for whatever the pitcher happens to be or whomever the pitcher happens to be because they still are, are quite strong at the minor league level, and they do have a lot of uh, developing players. And you look at um, the teams that tend to trade players midseason or teams to put people up for sale, they don't want someone necessarily now for their roster. They want someone you know, that they can have next year or the year after. And so you make the kind of deals that, that Alex Anthopoulos made in 2015 where you, you load up you know, Hoffman, who's supposed to be your hot pitcher, and you send him, you know, you know, for, in that case, you know, for, for Tulowitzki or whatever deal you're going to make. Um, but the Jays have those options on players. They have four or five or six guys that people are looking at as, you know, can't miss kind of kids of the future. A lot of those can't miss kids always end up missing. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, what if they had traded Nate Pearson three years ago, for example? They would have got something pretty special for him. Well, that's and that, but that, but that's that. That's why other teams aren't jumping around and saying we got to get that guy because he could turn into Nate Pearson. Um, yeah, the GMs tend to be they're scouts and they tend to be in love with that kind of guy, especially when you're sitting. I don't know where Oakland is or where some of these teams are, and you need guys in your organization that are going to be cheap for the next five to ten years. You have to target the teams that have the financial issues that don't want to keep that guy and, and, and look at it from that perspective. You, 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 Steve. How many times in a season do you actually see a player-for-player player baseball trade of consequence? You want Oakland's fifth pitcher? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just throwing this out as an example. Well, uh, but, let me, but let me ask you this question. Back, a little bit back to what Dave was talking about. Can they afford to carry three catchers? Well, I think it's a good idea. Um, because if you've only got two and they both can hit, it's hard to have them both in the same game in case, you know, one of them gets hurt and then you lose the DH and you're, so I think three catchers is a great idea if they're all, if they're all performing well. But, but, well, but, it, re but it reflects on your, 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 your problem about bench strength too, though. No, right? no. Well, I mean, two, two of them are going to be in this, in every game. One, the guy who's in catching is going to be DHing. Like, never mind this Vladimir Guerrero has to DH every you know, two of every six or seven games. Like he's a first baseman, put him there. I think maybe who knows what happens on Saturday if that 
line drive by Aaron Hicks goes over the head of uh, that goes over the head of BGO. If if Guerrero's at first base, I think he makes the play. He's taller. He's more familiar with the position, and that's one hit that beats them basically. That no, they didn't score any runs, so it would have been hard to to win without uh, without any runs on the board. But um, I would, I would have, I would have three catchers on a team in a, in a minute if they're if they're all uh, if they're all well, doing they what they're doing. Hit. I mean, the point is they can hit, and the point is the Blue Jays do not have a designated DH. They have no one else on their roster who they can DH other than an everyday player who's given the day off. Well, that's why if I'm looking at dealing anybody, I would deal Jansen. I don't know. I don't know what his value is. I'm saying that not knowing what his value would bring. You I don't think he, any of us do. I think you're right. Um, but you know, because he's, you know, he's kind of been up and down as a hitter in his time in the big leagues. He's had some great, you know, times this season. Certainly in a very limited uh, role. But we we know what kind of catcher he is, and I think he's respected around baseball. But I, again, I have no idea what he fetches in a deal. Not, 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 not nearly as much as Kirk. Um, just be, just because, just because Kirk, uh, you know, has Dandy Jansen ever been as hot a hitter as Kirk is now? And, and Kirk, and Kirk came up with the with the reputation of doing exactly what he is doing now. It's taken him a while to get there. He um, guy's going to hit three hundred every year. Well, you know, name another catcher who is. And and his skills are improving. We've seen it. The skills are improving behind the plate, and and his throwing has been very very strong. But he's going to be a number two catcher if things progress, as long as he stays in this organization. He's going to be the number two guy at best, and a DH on 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 other days. But that's the key. Bob. That. On on the other days is the key when you can have a guy like that as your DH. You know, your lineup is as strong as it can be. Mm -hmm. I'm not disputing that, Dave, yeah. but it, all, all I'm saying is it does limit you because the Blue Jays, this is one, I don't know, name me another scenario where a team, the team's, a team's number one DH was a backup catcher or a number one catcher in his, on his off day. I can't think of a single time it's happened. To have a catcher who can hit for 300 is a complete and total rarity in the sport. Mm -hmm. yeah. Kansas City sometimes. I would think they're about the only team I can think of. Well, there's one, maybe, maybe. But their their number one catcher is uh is gonna be the number one catcher. I don't think Kirk long term is the number one catcher in Toronto. No, I, I don't think it is. But but don't devalue his importance uh with that being the only statement because when he's not catching in my mind, he's DH. I agree. I, I, I'm not disagreeing in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying it's a rarity. It's but a rarity. to have three catchers, if it's the eighth, is eight. a luxury. It's a luxury, but 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 pat yourself on the back for a luxury. I mean, it's you know, well, not it. when you have other needs. That what happens invariably here, you know, this is when you have a luxury like this, you have needs elsewhere. And you have to give up that luxury in order to fill the other holes. And the question is, are these holes in the starting rotation? Forget the bullpen. Are they severe enough to make that decision? And I'm not answering the question. I'm asking it. Simmons. Well, I don't know the answer, Bob. I really don't. And I think I don't like the bullpen at all, frankly. I, Neither I love, do I. I love, I love Romano. I think, boy, has he ever grown into a great major league closer. And what he did yesterday was sensational, you know, to, to give them the, you know, the old closer can only pitch one inning theory, you know, went down the tubes, of course. Right. You know, I, I like Simber. I, I like some of the parts, but I think they need a long man. They don't have that. They may have that in Syracuse or sorry, in, in Buffalo, um, but they don't have enough six, seven, eight inning guys. And, and you really never have enough of those guys who are good. And you, and you look right now, I think the Yankees are our first in baseball in, in almost every pitching staff, in almost every pitching stat from starting and relieving. And the Jays are okay. Their starting numbers are actually reasonable, but their bullpen numbers are not.
And that's with Romano having an incredible, you know, year. You know, to me, he he could easily be in the All Star game. He's been that good. Well, I'm inclined to ask a question that I that we all know the answer to, and that is, would this would this organization ever stretch their their starting pitching more than the generic philosophy that drives me crazy? I'm sure Hodge it drives you crazy too that they don't believe that these guys can throw 110, 120 pitches every fifth day. It's absurd. Of course they can. You got to stretch them out, but they can do it. But they're not going to be given that opportunity. You know, as soon as you get to the seventh inning, they, you look up at the well. You're constantly. I'm constantly when I watch games on television looking at the number of pitches that the starter has thrown because you can predict when that guy's going to come out. And the notion of complete games or mm. even getting to the ninth inning where you could put Romano in is, is folly. It, it, how often has it happened? Twice this year? Once? Like how many times has the starter gone through the eighth inning or even into the eighth inning? Almost not at all which means you got to have two guys at the back end of your bullpen and probably three. And when, once you get to three, your third guy, you were not, you're not certain. Well, having said all that, that's got to be frustrating. That, that's got to be frustrating when you have 13 or 14 pitchers that you can't get past three. Well, it, get, it frustrates me. I don't know about the rest of you guys. It, you it doesn't to, make any sense to me. When you get to playoffs and everything is uber scouted, and the teams are prepared upon being prepared, and everybody's working every at bat to get to get the pitchers throwing as many pitches in the early innings as possible. That is clearly a strategy today in baseball, and it, and it's a strategy that works. So if you're the Blue Jays and you mandate, and they do, they mandate how many pitches a guy is going to throw on any given day. They know that before the game starts, and when the number hits, bang, he's out. Charlie Montoya is not making decisions when the game is going on in the, in the traditional manager makes decisions as who comes in and who goes out. Almost everything is predetermined. And so, you know, you have to look at that predetermination. This is the new baseball. We may not like it or care for it, but the day of the manager, you know, going on instincts mm -hmm. is all but over. I mean, in almost well, it, every situation, he's being told by the guys in the computer room and by his bosses upstairs, here's your starter. He's throwing 84 pitches. Then you're going to this guy. He's throwing 27. And, that, and that's how it works now. I'll give you the newer baseball. If it ever happens, and uh, it could happen as early as next year, perhaps, is the pitch clock will transform baseball and will, I think, solve – a lot of the problem that you're talking about, Bob, because I happen to see the pitch clock in in um, in operation via uh, TV, Arizona Fall League, and we've all heard the story that games are shortened by 20, 25 minutes in the minors using the pitch clock. Uh, I think obviously games will move faster. There will be fewer three and two counts because the ball gets back to the pitcher and the ball gets thrown to the plate like you're, you know, you're watching tennis, uh, <laughs> and, and at bats will be shorter and pitchers will have to, I believe, uh, throw fewer pitches to get uh, longer into games. And uh, that's not going to solve anything this year, but I'm a big fan of, of, of the pitch clock. And I hope that people who, um, who say, Oh, it's a silly idea or, you know, what are we talking about? Baseball is, traditional and it goes at its own pace watch the pitch clock if you can and tell me you don't like it uh, and i think it would be fat fantastic if baseball adopts it well i'm intrigued david so your suggestion is the pitch clock will force pitchers to throw more strikes I and think, therefore I think, they should be able to go for longer deeper in games well i think at bats will be shorter so you, you know i mean the, the pitch counts are now are based on all these three and two counts and four or five foul balls. Uh, and if you can speed up the result of every at bat, and I think just the pace of the game will, will, will declare that, um, yeah, pitchers will, will throw more strikes because they don't have time to, 
you know, sit and wonder, you know, we're going to throw this one off the plate. And the batter gets up there and he's, you know, he's never stepping out of the box. Um, he's waiting for the next pitch because it's coming 12 seconds later. But why, um, why would he foul off fewer pitches? I'm not sure I, I follow. You don't, you, you, you don't think that the pace of today's game and the way these batters get into the box, given instructions to take the pitcher as far as he'll go in, on his pitch count, you don't think that that enables these hitters to foul off pitches? I think the disciplined guy is going to be the disciplined guy. I think that the guy who's not so disciplined, you know, the DJ LeMayhews of the world are going to foul off you know, the number of pitches because that's what they do. Uh, I think, that, I think when, they, when, when you see the pitch come, pitches come that, that fast, they get hit fast as well. Interesting. Hmm. Well, I'm not so sure about the, I'm not so sure about the foul ball thing because it implies a skill set that I'm not sure every player has. Well, some do. Oh, I would agree with you, Dave, but I, I, I would say to you that, you know, I think of, um, you know, an 0-2 count, like what almost invariably happens on an 0-2 count? Pitchers throw one, two, sometimes three balls off the plate trying to get that guy to swing and miss. And if he's disciplined enough, that's how you get to the 3-2 count. Happens over and over and over again. With the pitch clock, maybe you don't have time to think about those kinds of things. You certainly don't have time to to shake off a whole bunch of pitches. No. Um, it could you're be thinking... You're thinking about making the pitch in the in the designated time. Yeah, well, and yeah. That's and basically after a while, you're not thinking about that because that's that's all the ball gets to your glove, it gets into your hand, and it's thrown to the plate. Honestly, it's it it is something that's hard to sell unless unless you can show uh, uh, um, someone who doubts it how how much it it changes baseball and how how much better a game it is to watch if it's played at that pace. I mean, oh, I we it. all love baseball, but we all complain, don't we, about mm -hmm. how long it takes to watch a game, be it, you know, nine innings, uh, two to one, or nine innings, 10 to nine, or whatever. These games can just crawl, and they can't with the pitch clock, and they don't, and you're out of there sooner, and you're watching something that, doesn't allow you to go, you know, when is this inning going to end? Yeah. We've gotten to this point of conversation and basically Charlie Montoya's name has hardly come up. It hasn't until now. Until now. And I don't know what it is about him, but I don't believe in him. And I, I think you've got all this talent here and maybe you've got enough starting pitching to get you somewhere and I don't know what it, I don't I don't see him as the guy who's going to get them to the promised land. And but, I'm just curious to hear what anybody. But isn't else. that isn't that just based on the fact that you believe he doesn't make very many decisions, Steve? No, I think you know so, sometimes it's it's I don't know it's it's the atmosphere around a team. It's managers have presence, whether they make the decisions or not. Managers have presence. The the, the best ones do. You know, you're the seeing Blue Jay team certainly seems happy. Oh, they they're the happiest. They're they're happy when they're winning. They're happy when they're losing. They're they're down ten one. Someone hits a home run. They're pouring seeds on them. Um, Would a manager change that? Would a different manager stop I that? Know. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know. All I know is that I look at what Buck Showalter, for example, has done in his first year in New York, and I look at what you know the almost fired Aaron Boone has done with the Yankees. And I just think that managers with presence, tr you know, trump those who do not have, pre how many guys without presence ever win? Well, look, it's a great question, but it would take another show for us to uh, address it. And <laughs> yeah, I, don't have what, the time. I don't know what presence, what presence is presence. Yeah. You're, you're, you're talking about Earl Weaver who goes nuts. Or you're talking about Jim Leland who smokes cigarettes or, uh, Charlie Montoya was just a guy that he, quick. What's the difference between character and presence? Um, 
I don't know. That's a, that, that's just, there's a topic for a whole hour, John. Yeah, I know. Well, let's let's do that topic at some point because we don't have time to do it okay. now. And I know everybody's chomping at the bit. We're on a we're on a we're on a we're on a pitch clock. Oh, we're on a pitch clock. Interesting stuff, guys. Thanks a lot. Um, enjoy your, the rest of your day and your week, and we'll uh, we'll bug you again somewhere down the line. Thank you, David. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Yeah. We'll be back after these messages. Our thanks to. Uh, David Hodge, Stephen Simmons. We might have to expand when those two guys get rolling. We just we might have to go to two hours. Well, you hardly said a word through the whole. No, thing. because what, what's well, the, I know, I know. Uh, I mean, just listen to them. They uh, they they have a they you know they've worked together so well for so many years on their own show. Uh, you know that just sit back and let them have uh, let them have the opinions, right? I mean, yeah, heck, I don't, I don't we, we we talk every day. Yeah, much to my chagrin. Now, oh. uh, hockey is back in the news tonight. Yes, sir. Um, you don't want to have a hockey game on the weekend. You want to have one on Monday night. Well, yeah, yeah. They did have one on Saturday. Oh, did they? Yeah, seven nothing, Colorado. Yes, I'm well aware. <laughs> um, the consequence of that is inevitable in terms of reaction. People will say, "Oh, well, that's it." Um, no, nope. really, it means nothing. It's match play, Bob. It's match play. Seven nothing, one nothing, seven six. It makes no difference whatsoever. It comes down to, uh, you know, can Tampa is Tampa still good enough? Mm-hmm. Is their goaltender capable of shutting this Colorado team down? And the answer is yes. Both to both questions. Whether they will or not remains to be seen. How do you feel? Can Tampa? Because I Vasilevsky can. He can lock it down almost at will. Yep, I agree. But the question now becomes is how will Tampa manage Colorado's speed? I don't think anybody, I mean, they, you know, they, against the Maple Leafs, you know, against Florida, against the Rangers, we all, they'll, you know, and they found a way to get it back to the speed they wanted. Well, in two games, they haven't been able to do it yet, Bob. They have not been able to manage all of the the speed the the the, uh, the exits from the from the defensive zone it has been remarkable it, it's it's like having a you know a 68 ford falcon against an f1 well, car right now we're going to so, find out soon enough yep game 3 tonight a big one for tampa well for both teams obviously uh we got to go we'll be back tomorrow for john shannon bob McCowan. thanks for watching or listening see you